Romans chapter 4, read verses 17 through 21. Romans chapter 4. We continue in our faith principles right here. Romans has a lot to say, and I've skipped over a lot in chapter 3. Actually, we talked about the righteousness which is of God by faith. And uh, Romans chapter 3 has a lot to say about that. And uh, rather than just going in deeper and deeper, I mean, it's like, I mean, the whole chapter is written about it. So it's the righteousness of God. But, uh, and so, uh, but there's a a point here, I think, in Romans chapter 4, which again talks quite a bit about this idea of faith. But we're talking specifically about being strong in faith. And so verse 17, it says, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. And he's referencing Abraham. You can see that here in verse number 16, all right? And then he says here, um, Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope, believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And be not weak in faith, He considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. And so we want to talk tonight about being strong in faith. I think uh, all of us would desire uh, to be strong in faith. We're going to look a little into the faith of our forefather, Abraham. Abraham, as the scripture says right here, was strong in faith. I think that's something all of us should aspire to, to be strong in faith and not weak in faith. And so there is the contrast. Let's have a word of prayer. And ask the Lord to help us as we look at this particular portion of the scripture here. Lord, we thank you for the example of Abraham. And we often call him the father of our faith because of the fact that uh, he was uh, one of our forefathers in the faith. He believed you. When you said you would do something, he believed you could and believed you would. And God, we can have that same faith. We can believe the same way. We can believe you can and we can believe you will. And Lord God, he believed against odds. And we have to, in many respects, believe against odds. If we had it all figured out, we wouldn't have to have faith. It would be sight. But Lord God, we uh, pray that you'd help our faith to be strong and not weak. There are some things we certainly need to look to you for and believe you for in this life, even now, even our day-to-day existence. And so we pray that you'd open our eyes, give us this kind of faith, and help us to see how he got it. Help us to see that we need it the same way. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Abraham possessed a faith in God that any one of us can possess as well. You say, well, why do you say that? Well, because faith is a fruit of the Spirit. For the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. All right, if it's a fruit of the Spirit, that means the same Spirit that you have within you that can give you love, the same Spirit in you that you can, that you can look to to provide for you peace in your heart, the same Spirit that lives within you that can give you joy, the joy of the Lord, 
That same Spirit can give you faith. It's not something you have to conjure up. It's something that if you simply depend upon the Spirit of the living God, He can give it to you. But there's a way that we can build it up. Let's put it this way. There's a way that we can encourage that faith and strengthen that faith. We want our faith to be strong. The Bible does tell us some things about that. So we don't have to go about our life with a weak, anemic faith. We can go about our life being strong in the faith. And I believe that's what we should desire with our whole heart, to be strong in the faith. It says in verse number 17, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations, before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Now, when you have a lot of different um, pronouns in a sentence, sometimes you can get confused about what pronoun refers to what person. So let's just take verse 17 and look a little bit at that, okay? Because it, it sounds like, uh, what's he talking about here? Who's talking? And so on like that. Uh, so it says here, from verse 16, we know Abraham was, the, uh, was appointed our father, so to speak, in the faith. We know that from verse number 16. Verse number 16 says, Therefore it is of faith that it might be of grace to the ascent, that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to that which is of the law, but also to that which is of the faith of Abraham. So we know that he's saying that Abraham had a faith that uh, was, he was one of the forefathers that possessed a faith that all of us ought to and need to possess as well. And so, in verse 17 right here, it says, Before him, he's talking about basically him in the sight of God, whom, or in whom, he, meaning Abraham, believed. Okay? So, Abraham believed in the sight of God. And it says, uh, and, and uh, even God who quickeneth, that means he gives life to the dead. Just like the quicken your nail, okay? That's the alive part of your nail. When we talk about quickening, we're talking about giving life. And so, um, and calleth or speaks of those things which be not, those things which do not yet exist. So, you know, God said to Abraham, made him a promise, told Abraham that he was going to be a father of many nations. What was the problem? He didn't have any kids, all right? That's the problem. You're going to be a father of many nations and you're 100 years old and you don't have any kids. That's a problem. I would say that would be something you'd be scratching your head about. And I don't doubt that Abraham was. Now, he got that promise back when he was 75. So he's been waiting 25 years for the kid to show up. All right? So I would say when you get to be 100, you're starting to wonder, is this going to work? <laughs> okay? Humanly speaking, naturally speaking, it doesn't look like it's going to work. All right? I mean, if I told any of you that you needed to have a child, you didn't have a child, and you were 75 years old, you'd be saying, uh, Pastor, you don't know what you're talking about. You know? Uh, and if you do, I don't think I want to hear about it. <laughs> okay? But wait a second now. Abraham's, he's 100. Sarah's 90. I'm telling you now, this is, this is not on the radar, okay? This is, this is why, why can't you just take the boy here? Why don't you take this one that's already born? Why, why don't you work through him? You could see why that suggestion would come about. You could see why Sarah would say, you know, things aren't working out here. Uh, why don't you uh, work some out some other way? You can see, naturally speaking, how this took place. And so, but, but God sees. You see, God can make a promise based on the fact that he knows what he's going to do. You don't know what he's going to do. He's telling you what he's going to do, but you can hardly believe it because the fact that... <laughs> 
I've never seen that happen before. But God makes a promise according to what he knows he can do. And so he gives you that promise on the basis of what he knows. And then we have to have faith in God to perform what he said he will do. So that's important for you to understand. Anytime God makes a promise, he makes you a promise. For instance, Jesus said he's coming again. You say, well, it's been 2,000 years. He hadn't come yet. Well, wait a second. God made a promise. Jesus made a promise. It's based on what he knows he's going to do. You can count on it because he knows he's going to do it, and he is powerful enough to perform whatever he said he will do. He's powerful enough to do it. So you can count on it, you see, because he's able. Amen? He's able to do whatever it is he promised. And so God told Abraham he was going to have a child. Abraham didn't know how it was going to happen, but God knew it was going to happen because God knew he was going to do it. He was going to make it possible. And so God saw things as though they already existed. And so when God makes a promise, in God's mind, it already exists. Remember, God doesn't live in the here and now. God lives in eternity. Now, that's hard for us to fathom, okay? God knows the end from the beginning. We are sitting here trying to figure out what's going on now, right? Or what just happened back, back a few years ago. Uh, but God has it all figured out. And, uh, and we people don't necessarily. And so he says, as it is written, he makes reference to Genesis 17, 5. Neither shall thy name be called any more Abraham, Abram, but thou shalt be called Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made thee. And so this is what it says. This is the promise that God made to, to, to Abraham back in Genesis chapter 17. So God knows what he's going to do in the future. Abraham got the word from God, but Abraham hasn't seen it materialize yet. He has no problem foretelling and promising this to Abraham because he knows exactly what he plans to do through him and through all of those of like faith. So God already knows what he wants to do through you. God has some plans for you. Do you know that? God knows what he wants your life to become. God knows what he wants you to do. God knows what he wants to do in you and through you. He already knows what his will about your, for your life is. God already knows. So when God starts to lead you down that path that he already knows he wants you to take, you're sitting there going, uh -huh, I don't know if I can do this. But you know what? Moses didn't think he could do the things that God called him to do either. Abraham sitting here maybe in the same situation. Sarah definitely was, you see. But the thing of it was, God said he, God has a will, God's able to perform it, and he's able to use you to do it. And that's a neat thing. So God knows what he will do. And the critical issue for us is to trust him to do just what he said. If God said it, we need to trust him to do what he said. This is, where Abraham, this is the beauty of Abraham's faith. This is what Abraham did. He believed that God would do what he said. I mean, the point of having a child and the point of when he had the child, taking the child that he gave him and going to Mount Moriah to sacrifice him, Abraham believed that God could raise that child from the dead. I mean, even after he had a burnt offering where you literally burn up the sacrifice, Abraham believed that God was able to take that boy and bring him back down the mountain. He said, well, that's never been done before. But again, Abraham knows that God's able to do whatever he said he's going to do. You see, because of these things about Abraham's life, we call him the father of our faith because of the fact he possessed a faith that did not balk at what God said, even though it was completely against nature and against the things that he knew as a man or a human being living on planet Earth. This is why we call him strong of faith. He says, verse number 18, who against hope believed in hope. When you were 100, 
and you don't have any kids, can you kind of hope for some? That was against hope. Sarah, it was against hope. Um, it says here, that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. So who, Abraham, against hope, when things looked hopeless from a human perspective, he believed in hope. He still maintained hope due to his faith in what he believed God would do. Folks, that's why you need to get in the Word so you see what God says He's going to do. Because once you know what God says He's going to do, then you can put your hope and your faith in what God said He's going to do. But if you don't know what God said He's going to do, well, how can you hope in what you don't know? You see? That's why it's so important for you to get in the Word. Know what the Word says. Know what God says. Know what God says about the future. This world, you know, my wife and I were talking as we were walking this morning. It, yeah, I could see where some of this stuff is leading. All right? Immunizations, people are so health conscious, you know. Everybody is super paranoid about, it's not that they want health, it's that they don't want to die. All right? So this is almost a perfect storm to get people, because they're all scared about dying, to get people to mass immunize, then you have to have immunization records. And then, of course, at the rate we're spending money, can you see how the financial structure of uh, not just our country, but the entire world is in for a big mess? I mean, listen, you don't spend trillions of dollars at a time and think that you can go on doing this. Folks, it just doesn't work. <laughs> you can't. It, it, you just, you know, money does not grow on trees. We're going to run out of trees. The rate they're printing it. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. What am I telling you? All right? When things collapse, who's got to come in and who's got to be the savior? The government. Some ruler has to come in and do this. And when they have got people conditioned to do things globally, you can see precisely where this is heading in the end time picture that Revelation gives us. Folks, we're being set up. I'm telling you, we're being set up. All right? This shouldn't surprise us as the people of God. We know what's going to happen in Revelation. We know what the Bible says is going to happen. So let's not be so surprised that things are lining up. But keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen? Amen. <laughs> keep your eyes on the Lord. All right? This isn't for doom and gloom. Listen, what's going to happen next is we're out of here. <laughs> okay? That's not gloom. That's, that's glee, all right? That's, that's good stuff. Now, the rest of the world has some stuff to face. It's not going to be so good. But we have a lot to look forward to. We're going to be with the Lord. Seven years, it's going to go crazy down here. But we're going to be with the Lord. Marriage, supper of the Lamb. And then we come back to rule and reign with Him at the second coming of Christ. The rapture is the next thing on the prophetic calendar. And I want to tell you something. Things are getting set up. They're getting set up. So how do you know? Read the Word and see what is taking place in those latter times and see what we're being set up to, 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 to experience here. Okay, go back to there. All right. So, so his hope had a firm foundation. He was not just hoping in his hope. His hope was firmly founded in the Lord's ability to do what he promised. And folks, that's what we're supposed to hope in. 
You're not just trying to hope in your hope. You know, some people are more positive than others, okay? Some folks are negative, you know, sky's falling, henny penny, and stuff like that, you know? But some people are very positive, you know? Everything's going to work out good, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, they got the Pollyanna view of life, okay? There's a realism we need to have. But the thing of it is, is where our hope really needs to be found, that it's not in our positive mental attitude or the other, the opposite of that. Our real hope needs to be in what God said. Whatever God said, there's where we need to set our hope. Our hope needs to be in what the Word of God tells us. So, so that he may become the father of many nations. That's what, this is what God promised. And according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. So Abraham, I mean, God said it. Abraham believed it. He simply took God at his word. And this is what God looks for in people today. God looks for this in you and I. God said it. We believe it. And we operate according to what God said. That's what Abraham did. That's what God wants us to do today. He said it, we believe it, we operate accordingly. That's what God wants us to do. It's simple, it's not really hard. Let's put it this way, it'll challenge you in, in some regards, but the thing of it is, it's not rocket science, it really is. If God said it, God can do it, we believe it, and we operate according to what we believe God said, he'd say, what he said in his word. So God said, so shall thy seed be. Abraham said in his heart, all right, here we go. Can God do whatever he said? This is going to be amazing. Understand, his faith was completely in the Lord because the natural means of this coming to pass had long since ceased. Okay? So now we have to depend on the Lord for this. So verse 19, And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. In other words, his body was no longer functioning, you know, procreatively. All right? And um, it says here, Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. And so Sarah's womb wasn't functioning that way either. They were past that time in life. And he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And so again, God said this was going to happen, and he operated according to what God said was going to happen. And being fully persuaded, there's a very key feature right there. If you want to have strong faith, you're going to be fully persuaded. We need that full persuasion. What is that persuasion of what? Because God said it. I believe it. I'm fully persuaded that God can do it. That's the full persuasion. We all need that today. When God says something, we need to be fully persuaded that God can do whatever God said he's going to do. That's the full persuasion. That what he had promised, he was able also to perform. What is it that God says in his word? Do you believe he can do that? Do you believe God can fulfill the promises he has in his word? If you're fully persuaded, you have the faith that Abraham had that impressed God to make him what he was and use him in such a powerful way as he did. And so, being not weak in faith, here's something every one of us can have. We can have strong faith, the faith that doesn't look at the problem and give up because it looks humanly impossible. We need to look at problems and look up, not give up, look up and say, God, all things are possible. Nothing's impossible with you. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. That's the kind of faith that we need to have. Now, we need to, of course, submit ourselves to God. God puts us through things sometimes that we wish didn't happen, wish wouldn't happen. He does it because he has an ultimate end that he's trying to produce. I mean, Paul knew that God could heal him, but he, he sought the Lord three times for healing, and God says, no, Paul, I'm going to leave you with the condition that you have because I'm finding something out about you, Paul, that when you stay in that weak condition, you're dependent upon me, and so you become stronger through your weakness than if I take away the problem. You see, 
So that's not to say that all you, everything that you pray is going to happen the way that you want it to. Sometimes God, instead of taking away the problem, He gives you stronger shoulders to bear the weight of the burden, you see. God knows how to do that. But still, we need to communicate with God over these things. So a faith that nothing too hard for God, that's what Abraham has. He, that's what he had. It doesn't matter how old I am. It doesn't matter how old Sarah is. It doesn't matter that this doesn't usually happen. It doesn't matter that the doctors say it can't happen. He's fully persuaded, thoroughly convinced, that's what that means, of what God promised he's able to perform. You know, George Miller, I gave the illustration about this before. George Miller was on a ship and he was saying to the captain, he says, I need, I need to get to this port on time because I've never missed a meeting before. And the captain says, I'm sorry, Mr. Mueller, we can't, we can't go any further because we got this, this heavy fog and we can't proceed at the speed that you want us to because this fog is just too heavy. We can't see. So Mr. Mueller said to the captain, well, let's pray. <laughs> so the captain was really trying to humor Mr. Mueller. So the captain goes down and Mr. Mueller says, well, let's pray. So Mr. Mueller gets down there and he prays and asks God to lift the fog. And then they're still in this room inside the ship where they couldn't see outside. And the captain goes to pray and George Mueller says to the captain, no, captain, you don't need to pray. He already knew the captain had no faith, so he didn't want the captain praying because he didn't have any faith in what he was praying for. He says, step outside. He says, the fog's gone. The captain walked outside of that room where they actually were praying and the fog was completely lifted and George Mueller got to his, his meeting on time. Now, you say, how do you get faith like that? Um, I'll tell you what. Mr. Mueller spent time with God and spent time in his word. That's how you do. You know, Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. D.L. Moody said this. He says, I prayed for faith and thought that someday faith would come down and strike me like lightning. But faith did not seem to come. He says, one day I read the 10th chapter of Romans. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I had up to this time closed my Bible and prayed for faith. He says, I now opened my Bible and began to study and faith has been growing ever since. You see, folks, you want more faith? Stay in the word. You read about Gideon, you read about Samson, you read about Noah, you read about Abraham, you read about David and Goliath, you read about all, you read about story after story after story where God miraculously came through for the people of God. And you begin to realize God can do it for you too. Read about the resurrection. Read about the disciples. Read about what happened in the book of Acts as a result of all that. Read about it. Read it, read it, read it over and read it over again. It will cause your faith to be strong. But if you listen to all the talking people who don't believe and you put... If you start listening to them, you won't believe. You'll be like the rest of the folks. You won't believe. 
Feed your faith with the truth of God. Get in the Bible. Read for yourself some of the amazing things that God has done. And the Word of God, the Bible says, is quick. It means it's alive. It's powerful. That means it's like dynamite. Sharper than a two-edged sword. The Word of God will show, will bolster your faith, will enable your faith to be strengthened. So, what do you want? Strong faith or weak faith? You say, well, I want strong faith. Okay. Spend time in the Word. Just keep your, keep your heart and your mind in the Word. This book of the law shall not depart of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate there. And how often? Why? That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written there. And for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt find good success. So, the key. You want strong faith? You'll never have it apart from the Word. Can't conjure it up. It's fruit of the Spirit. The way you get it, stay in the Word. All right, let's go to prayer. Let's continue to pray. And uh, my wife will play at the end of the hour here.